Welcome to the Naughty Child Podcast with me, Richard. And me, Polly. I'm the dad. And I'm the daughter. I did everything before I leave. I need to find that bag on my coins. Alex Hartley took us off air in Brighton earlier this year. I'm a huge fan of Pepper. We thought we were really funny, so why doesn't everyone else think we're really funny? It's been the longest year ever, hasn't it? She's the most relaxed captain you've ever known. You got me through my flight from Mackay to Adelaide, so thank you very much. Well, my dog is now called Judy Anderson. Oh, well, Manchester Originals aren't through to the Eliminators, so I've got to change my team. Yeah. Sophie Eccleston's the worst. It's like having a child with you when she's on tour. I don't know whether it shows something about me or whether it just shows I'm a little bit stupid. So, Polly, what's been happening in the world of cricket this week? I feel like this week we probably have the most things to talk about. Um, there's a lot. So, firstly, a couple of hours after we put the episode out, um, or in fact, I think it was the night of we like recorded the episode, England's new head coach was announced. John Lewis. Not to be confused with the other John Lewis. Or Lo- department store John love Lewis. Love the Christmas advert, by the way. <laughs> it was really good this year. Did a good job, but just squeeze that in before he got the job, clearly. Yes, so an interesting appointment, and he's done a first interview, hasn't he, with Rafa mm-hmm. for The Guardian? Yeah. She looked, uh, well, she was very positive about yeah. it. Um, so, I guess, I mean, with any coach, mm-hmm. you judge some results, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Um, and they, they can talk the talk, but can they walk the walk? Um, and I think, you know, we'll see what happens with the West Indies. Um I thought it was interesting because he's never worked in women's cricket before. Um, and obviously on the list of candidates shortlisted, there were people who have had significant roles and have been very successful in women's cricket. So I think that was an interesting decision. Um, but he, I mean, he made the point that you coach cricket, not gender, which I think is a good point. But at the same time, I think, I don't know, I, I do always find it a bit interesting because I think, Imagine, I don't know, like imagine someone who works in women's cricket. I doubt they would get the England men's job without working in men's cricket. I don't know. I guess it's about the pool of talent, isn't it? Yeah. So if you just operate within women's cricket, mm-hmm. there are eight coaches <laughs> yeah. within the women's cricket system in England and Wales. Mm-hmm. And then I guess there are people currently working with the England team. Yeah. And then there are overseas candidates. Mm-hmm. So uh, I guess what they had to do is decide which pool of talent. Well, they've got to open it as wide yeah. as possible, haven't they? And I guess that's why you have an in- interview process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they know this person or people within the ECB know mm. this person well already. Yeah. Um, and they're clearly interviewed well. Realistically, they're doing a holding job, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and this job is going to be Charlotte Edwards at mm. some point. Um, but she's not available for it now. No. So let's see how John Lewis does. If he wins mm. the T20 World Cup <laughs> and then wins the Ashes and goes on to win back the ODI World Cup. He'll be the new Matthew Mott. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lottie won't have a hope. Yeah. Um, so, so we'll see. I think it's actually about developing players, isn't it? Mm. And I think what came across strongly in his interview is that he wants to make our players better. Yeah. And particularly, you know, he works with bowlers. Mm. So we've got young fast bowlers coming through, like uh, Lauren Bell and Si Wong, 
and you want to see those become turn from promising mm -hmm. young players into genuine world-class performers. Yeah. And if we can turn all those young up-and-coming bowlers into top performers, then we will be the best team in the world. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, very kind of like positive first impressions. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the West Indies. I mean, talking of that, uh, the squads were announced and there's been some interesting decisions. Um, I think when I was thinking about, okay, what is this new coach going to bring? I thought Lisa Kitely actually um, kind of separated the squads a bit more and started that process mm -hmm. um, into kind of creating T20 players and one-day players. Um, and I think John Lewis has kind of gone a step further with that. And I think that's actually quite a positive thing. I think about someone like Kate Cross, who hasn't played T20s for a couple of years. She's carried a lot of drinks for T20s. Yeah, who's been in the squads a lot, but actually she's not going to get a chance playing. And now he's made the decision, okay, I'm going to put you only in the ODI squad. And it also means there's an opportunity for another bowler in the T20 squad, which I think is a really positive thing. Um, and I think, I mean, that kind of um, already happened with someone like Charlie Dean, where she's only really played ODIs. Mm -hmm. um, I think she played one T20, but she's kind of always played ODIs. Um, and yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I, I think it's probably a good thing, um, especially, I suppose, managing workload as well with, you know, how busy the calendar's getting now. Um, the only slightly interesting decision in, in this light was Catherine Brunt not being in the ODI squad. So just being a T20 player. Yeah. Um, so I think when we were talking about this the other day, <coughs> effectively that means in the English summer, mm. she'll play for half a dozen afternoons. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I don't know how much of that is her decision, um, but it does suggest a slight potential weaving out of the squad in, into retirement. We'll see. I mean, if in the T Twenty squad, she's yeah, <laughs> taking, like in the Commonwealth Games, taking loads of wickets yeah. and being very economical, then it's all going to be on the basis of mm. performance, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I guess everyone knows mm. that in five years' time, she's not going to be playing for yeah. England. Well, you never know. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Um, one of the big shocks, which I'm very excited about, is that Lauren Winfield-Hill is back. I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? It's so deserved. It seemed like the door was shut. Yeah. And so clearly this is the, the view of the new coach. John Lewis, yeah. You know, so he's... And if you look at the performance of all English batters yeah. over the whole of the last, well, I suppose since she lost her place in the mm. side back in February, March time, yeah. she is the outstanding performer. Exactly. Um, yeah. We were saying this during the summer, that, mm. that if her name wasn't Lauren Winfield-Hill, she would definitely be being picked for England. Mm. Um, but the fact is she had so many chances and you know, didn't score a 50 for, I don't know how long, um, for England. So it seems like, you know, this is brilliant. She's got a, a place back in the side and I just want her to do well. Yeah, no, I'm thinking the exact same thing because her summer was outstanding. She performed so well and obviously she knew she was losing her England contract and her speech that she did at Lords after the, the RHF final, I was just like, I just wanted to do really well. 
Um, and I think it's a, a little bit of surprise that she's back so soon because I suppose I think when Lisa Kiley was there, that door was pretty much closed. But I think with a new coach coming in, he's like, okay, well, I'll give her a chance. I haven't seen her play international cricket, so let's put her in there, see what happens. Um, but that has meant that there's uh, no Bryony Smith or no Mai Boucher. It's interesting, isn't it? Because someone comes in with fresh eyes. Mm. They don't necessarily know the women's game inside yeah. out. So they have to go on the stats, don't they? Yeah. And I suppose reports from people who have seen these people play and, and mm. know these people. But I guess when you bring the data up, I mean, it, Lauren Wimpel yeah. has to be the person. Yeah. Someone has to make weight. She also is a wicketkeeper. Yeah. So it all makes sense. It all adds mm. up. Yeah. Um, I think Meyer and uh, Bryony are slightly unlucky to miss that. I think especially Bryony, she had a very good end of the season. She got a century in the RHF and um, I suppose also with her bowling, which has been really good all year, but I suppose England have options. So, um, yeah, they don't necessarily need to include her. But I did, I mean, I did see videos of Maya training with the England squad. So um, I suppose she's been part of that larger pool of a training camp mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately not made the squad, which is a shame. But um, yeah, really good to see Lauren Winfield Hill back. And of course, Nat Sivers back as well and Heather Knight, which can only be good for England. Uh, yeah, I'd forgotten Heather Knight. <laughs> well, it's been so long. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think so much has happened mm. in that time. But I just think back to Nat Siver captaining in the oh, Commonwealth Games, yeah. and it was traumatic. Yeah. The performances were, were under par, and, you know, she was having to do interviews on the pitch and crying yeah. while she was doing them, clearly in a, in a state mm. in, and really struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really good that she's back. I think it's really good that she's not vice captain. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and just crack on with being that incredible yeah. batter, remember, from the World yeah. Cup final. Go and score some runs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, it does leave the question of who will be vice captain. Um, but I suppose that will kind of be a bit of succession planning, I would imagine. Yeah, so um, who would you give it to? Does it have to be someone who plays all formats? Because that's Knight, that's getting more limited now. Yeah, so Heather Knight plays all formats yeah. when she's fit, mm. but can she carry on doing that? Yeah. Um, so then, do you split it? Who's having a T Twenty captain, ODI captain? Yeah. It's, the, I, it's you know you've got a strange situation in the men's game mm. where Ben Stokes is the Test captain, yeah, but when he plays T Twenty, he's not the captain. No, just but the captains. So it's yeah, it's an interesting one. So I wonder whether something like that might end up yeah. happening. But I, I would imagine it wouldn't be split into red ball and white ball. Cause imagine imagine, yeah. ball imagine it, you get your like one opportunity a year, um, you one chance to shine. You get injured tossing the coin. Yeah. It's not used to the action. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, it was quite funny actually. I was listening to Tailenders fellow cricket podcast. Um, and they had Izzy Wong, and they've had her a couple of times. And it was their, like, five-year anniversary of their podcast. We're coming up to our two years, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. um, but they were making predictions of what they think is going to happen in five years' time, like, cricket-wise. And I can't remember who it was, but one of them said that Izzy Wong would be England captain. And I physically laughed out loud mm -hmm. on the train. And Izzy said herself, she was like, no chance. So uh, in terms of vice-captain, I don't think it's going to be Izzy Wong. Um 
I was thinking about actually who who it could be and who has that leadership experience. Um, Amy Jones, yeah, who comes to mind. She's filled in as captain, mm. so she's got that experience. You know, the, there are aspects of the role that don't come naturally to her, mm. but Heather Knight's exceptional insofar as she has the the communication, the leadership, the the tactical now, the yeah ability to play all three formats. The chances of finding someone else with all of those things, I think, is really can't see it happening yeah but I think actually the vice captain role especially if you are succession planning is you know the captain helps that vice captain develop into a really good captain um so I think again it would only be for one format but I think someone like Charlie Dean could do really good because I mean she captained London Spirit I think she just needs a bit of time to kind of develop into that role and get more confident but I think she would be really good um, I mean, I know they don't really give it to bowlers that often, but I, I don't think that's really a big problem. She's a bowling all-rounder. Yeah, I, I mean, she's in bat, yeah. Um, I think that's a really good call. <coughs> um, I think I think of Charlie Dean, and I think of, you know, that horrible incident at the end of the season yeah. uh, when she was run out at the non-striker's end. But the way she bounced back from it yeah. the next day, it's that says to me about character. Yeah. And I think... She could play all three formats mm -hmm. without doubt. So I think that's a really good call. And I would, you know, from the outside, I don't know these people personally. I don't see them working day in, day out. But I think that person would fit the sort of profile mm. we were looking for. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, let's talk about the 100. Um, because it was announced earlier in the week that the 100 are going to be having a draft like the men do, um, which is quite a big step for women's cricket um I suppose kind of globally because it, it doesn't really happen hmm. so I read your article you wrote about this why thank you <laughs> which is available on our new on our yeah, new website on yeah website uh, well you can also find out who we would want to have dinner with <laughs> <laughs> um yes so I guess it's a question of to what extent does the women's game need to follow the patterns mm -hmm. of the men's game and I think we're possibly guilty at times of wanting it both ways yeah I that, think that's very true <laughs> that when the women's game doesn't follow the patterns of the men's game mm -hmm. we shout about inequality and this would never happen da, 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 da. well how come we don't and that sort of yeah um, argument and when it does we say oh you're just trying to turn us into the men's game <laughs> yeah um so yeah, I don't think you can have it both ways on this. I think, uh, the, I guess the differences between the women's and the men's game is the is the pool of people you're picking from is very, very different. Um, so mm. there are coming up to just about 100 professional yeah. female cricketers. Um, in England and so, Wales. In England Wales. So it's not enough to fill no. eight franchises um, of the 100. So is a draft process necessary? And also people are in a very different situation, especially if they're amateur. Yeah. that um, They can't just up sticks and move somewhere mm. um, in the country um, in order to it, to work for six weeks yeah. on, a, on a franchise. Exactly. Route. I mean, it's an interesting one because, you know, I, I made the point about professionalism, kind of seeing it on both sides, because on one hand, it, it's so different to the men's game and the fact that these people aren't, you know, it's not their job to play cricket for a lot of them. But at the same time, it gives women's cricket that level of professionalism because instead of 
players having to, you know, I remember earlier in the year when uh, Alex Hartley wasn't ret- retained by Manchester original, she was like, well, I didn't really know, like, did I go speak to clubs? And obviously like she then was approaching them and it's like, actually now the players don't have to do that. The clubs, like the teams will come to them and they'll be part of this draft, which um, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, as I say, it's, it's new for the women's game. So I think it, it's an interesting one, but I think I overall I think it is a positive step um, because it just shows that wider growth and development, and also that I like I suppose this is maybe a bit I don't like this point as much, but it's also about money I think a bit as well because uh, if you think about drafts around the world, I mean I'm mainly thinking about the IPL, but you think about also like the BBL or um, other like franchise tournaments a lot of the focus is on like categories of money and although I don't think that's the most important thing in the women's game I think to to pay someone who's quality pay, pay them quality money I think that that is a that's a good step yes I, I guess it's um thinking thinking about the whole draft process mm. I I don't really follow the IPL but I yeah. I know I've got Indian friends and on the day of the draft, they have it on all day <laughs> yeah. on the telly. Yeah. And I, I don't quite get <laughs> how that works yeah. and how that is a is because it's a kind of a media event mm. as much as anything else. Yeah, and I mean they have this in 2019 for the men, so I think they showed it on Sky. Um, and I think this needs to happen for the women's because I remember people saying at the time, like, why? Because obviously there was no women's dress. Why is like there nothing happening for the women? Because you kind of don't really know who's playing for your team. But I think actually this is another step in the direction of it being like one club, two teams, because if they do do like a, a televised draft, presumably it will be both the men and the women. Um, and that will all kind of be as one, which I think is is probably quite a good thing. Um, but yeah, the, the whole thing of like it being a big media event, again, is very new because... Like I think until I suppose maybe recently, announcements in women's cricket have been very low key, and it's yeah I don't know. Um, it, yeah. It's a strange one. I mean, the marketing people will do what yeah. they want with it, won't they? I yeah. guess as long as it, like the best players end up in the right places, mm. and the teams are, you know, fairly well recognisable and balanced. Well. Um, but yeah, the thought of people just randomly being assigned to teams. Mm when they've established some sort of identity. Yeah, that, that's the thing. They're like uh, two points. The first one about identity, I think that's a big one because I think I would say maybe in the women's game more than the men's people have the identity. Like people will stick with the county they've played with since they they were a child and then will play for that region or whatever. And that's kind of thing. People don't move as much, I suppose, as the men. Um, so I think that might be a bit strange because I remember last year with a lot of people not being retained, it was like, oh, they're going somewhere else. Um, and I think it's really important that teams keep some core players so fans have some sort of identity with the team rather than it just being a different group of people every year. Um, and then the second point was about balance. Yeah. So Welsh Fire get the first pick and then it goes in like reverse of how the table finished. So hopefully there will be a bit more balance because obviously you have Over Invincibles winning it two years in a, gr- in a row, which is great. But you also have Welsh Fire coming bottom two years in a row. Um, and then you're winning one game this year. So hopefully it will will create that balance a bit more. 
Wow. So if you're the best player in the world and you're there in the draft, oh, you, you'll be sat that. there thinking, oh, I've got to go to Wales. I've got to go to Wales. Oh, I'm I sure would, it's lovely. I by would the take way. myself out of the thing. I can't go back to Wales. Bad place. Um, we need to be careful. I'm sure we've got lots of uh, Welsh listeners. Yeah, yeah. No, we love Wales. It's a fierce um, male. <laughs> we do love Wales. Um, anyway, uh, the Blaze cricket with purpose. Cricket with porpoise. Porpoise. <laughs> there are no tortoises <laughs> in in Nottingham. <laughs> sort of underwater version with finger porpoise. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I can just imagine they came up with that slogan. They probably had like a team away day to some hotel. Oh my gosh! And yeah. they had to like build towers out of newspapers. Yeah. And yeah. at the end of it, they came up with that slogan and and. <laughs> and and clapped and, and went home yeah well it it sounds oh, yeah do you know, the, the way when you say that i just imagined you know on the apprentice when they all get the names yeah was, was it i think it was raf and sid that mentioned this last week okay about the apprentice because it just makes me think of them all sitting in a room and you know when they're like that yeah um like the, the unbeatables it's just like all these names or like they'll come up with like some like greek goddess as their name or something this is what they've gone with like the blaze cricket with purpose because of course you wouldn't play cricket without purpose yeah well i i guess yeah what is the purpose of cricket so if you oh, wow if you're from the marketing team of the blaze do get in touch and tell us what the purpose of cricket is um, so anyway, their social media has all stayed as the Lightning one. It's just a rebrand. Oh. So I think that's probably a positive thing because mm-hmm. it means they don't have to like rebuild all of that. Um, but their uh, professional players are Sophie Munro, who is new, like she played for Lightning, but like she's moved up to a professional mm-hmm. contract. Lucy Hyam, Marie Kelly, Catherine Bryce, Sarah Bryce, Kirsty Gordon, and uh, Georgie Boyce, who is a new signing from Thunder. Lots of people have been on the podcast there, actually. Yeah, quite a lot, actually. And then they've announced their winter retainers, so players that um, could be in contention. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much the rest of the squad. I think the only... The Blaze will wait to see what happens uh, next season with this new brand. Uh, they may be cup winners. Can you imagine? It could happen. Well, yeah, it their new happen. home in Nottingham, it seems to be yeah. flourishing. Um WBBL. This is the penultimate WBBL episode, which oh God, it feels like we've been doing this for six months. So <laughs> I had no, I have enjoyed the WBBL. I think it's been cracking. And I say that also because strikers are in the final, which is great news. Um, so I think the big thing I want to talk about, <laughs> Laura Harris, her strike rate has been unreal. I think sometimes for professional cricketers something happens they have a moment in their career which just turns them from the ordinary into the exceptional Mm -hmm. and i think for laura it happened in hospital one day (laughs) in that operating room yeah when she joined us on the pod yeah something mystical happened yeah and she she gained superpowers (gasps) do you know why it was it's because she was in november and we were in october Oh yes, that, that's the only because I can't think of that hasn't happened with anyone else. So, time travel, time time travel. There's been a break it's... in the space time <laughs> continuum, and the, the result of it, the result of it is that Laura Harris has turned from being a decent player yeah. into a world beater. Wow! And the superior sibling. And the... 
Wow. <laughs> Grace Harris, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Please come on the podcast. Um, <laughs> that's a statement to make. Mm. But yeah, so today in the game, um, obviously losing calls for uh, for Brisbane Heat against the strikers, but her strike rate was 235.71. So she scored 33 runs off 14 balls. I think there were eight fours, um, which is unreal. And well, she did that means it- she got 32 off eight balls. Mm-hmm. So she only got one off the other six balls. What's she doing? I, won't. I don't know if that's true then. <laughs> I could be completely wrong. No, no, that sounds about right. Yeah, I was, I was right. I was right. So, so effectively, she sat around for almost a whole over yeah. just collecting dots. Yeah, that's not good enough, actually. <laughs> I suppose one of them was the ball she was out to. That's true. Um, to be fair, she probably was just like lulling them into a false sense of security. <laughs> so the ball was probably getting really excited, and then she was like, "Well, actually, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, hit you around the park." Um, but no, it was it was a really good game, and went down to the last over, and, and strikers did really well to win it. I mean, Laura Wolfart got 47 from 45, um, Deandra Dryden 39 from 21, um, and Bridget Passon. 45 from 26 Ooh, um, who was there at the end so yeah I mean really strong from Adelaide and obviously going through to the final against Sydney Sixers. Really pleased for Adelaide you know South Australia it's a bit of a backwater place. Whoa. Be careful about what you are saying <laughs> be very careful. I'm just going on what Lily told us. <laughs> yeah I mean fairs. Um, I do not want to offend South Australia. I defend South Australia on a daily oh, basis. No, no. If I had to go to any yeah. test match, let's say in you Australia, I'd right? want to go to Adelaide. Yeah, I'll have the Adelaide Oval. I mean, do you know what? I re- I really want to go to Canberra on over. I bet not many people in the world will say that, no. but it looks so nice. Um, but Adelaide so, Oval with a big yeah. scoreboard, oh, the cathedral. It's I mean, I, I, on a hot sunny day. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Paul. Yeah, um, I've lost my train of thought now. But yeah, so strikers did very well. Yeah, so um, so that's so the final is strikers sixes, mm-hmm. and that's this weekend. Yeah, and then it's all over. Then it's all over. Yeah, um, gotta give a bit of a shout out to Georgia Redmayne, who mm. potentially has torn her Achilles. Um, the video did not look nice. She got DeAndre Dotton out, taking the catch off. I think it's Jess Johnson's bowling, and went up to appeal slash celebrate and pop. Which is not good. Mm, sports um, people who injure themselves celebrating—quite yeah. quite a niche thing. It's slightly embarrassing. <laughs> Don't quite embarrassing. It's kind of sad as well. Um, so yeah, she's probably going to miss the rest of the season, which is a real shame. Um, but it's fine. She's a doctor. She can probably like sew up herself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, it's actually all good. I think. Um, also, she was very like good. To, I mean, she was crying. So that wasn't good. But then she did put a meme on Instagram about it. So I thought that was a good side. So it's time to introduce our guest now, I think. Yeah, so we spoke to Jane Maguire um, when she was out in Pakistan um, for the series. The victorious Irish The victorious, yeah. Um, So it was really good to to chat to Jane. Again, sibling theory. Uh, She has a younger sibling who may be playing uh, for Ireland in the Under-19 World Cup. Yes. So, could we see the sibling theory work? Well, um, yes, let's wait and see. that Sibling theory, for those of you who don't follow us every week, is that the younger sibling is always going to be the best player. Which, now you've said that uh, Laura Harris is now better than Grace Harris, so... Unless, the sub-clause <laughs> three of the sibling theory is that 
if the space-time continuum is broken, <laughs> then that can actually change the birth order. Ah, uh, of course. We need to we need to ratify this and and have it well, codify it. In fact, yeah. here's Jane McGuire anyway. Um, so firstly, how did you get involved with cricket and what's your kind of like cricket story? Um, I, my dad played cricket uh, growing up, so I kind of just grew up around the club. Um, I went, my school was right beside cricket ground as well. So just grew up around the club, uh, break time, go down and play cricket. There was one point that um, my school was really small. So there's about like a hundred people in my school. So there's one point, one of the classrooms for the younger classes um the roof got like damaged with water so we had to literally our school was the cricket club at one point it was bizarre but yeah well yeah I mean because I don't associate Ireland with cricket uh, particularly is it are you from Dublin yeah I'm from Dublin yeah so I, how many cricket clubs are there in Dublin are there, are there loads and loads and loads or is it just a, a, a handful Oh, just, just a handful. Uh, yeah, it's re- it's a really weird sport to play in Ireland and <laughs> Vern. Um, I kind of played. I played a lot of sport when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, my main ones were Gaelic and Camogie, which is an Irish sport. Yeah. But then cricket kind of took over a few years ago. Happy it did, to be honest. <laughs> well, and I guess the skills are transferable, really, with Camogie and cricket, aren't they? You know, hand-eye coordination and so on. Yeah, you actually hold the Camogie stick the opposite way. So obviously, so yeah, it's. Yeah, but worked out. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, we go to Ireland quite a lot, and I've never even seen a cricket club in mm-hmm. Ireland. I mean, we we go to Tipperary, so it's probably none that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see GAA clubs everywhere in every single village. Um, but yeah, no cricket clubs at all. Yeah, I don't think there'd be many cricket clubs in Tipperary now. But yeah, no, Gaelic's huge over over there, especially in Tipperary. Hurland's a big one over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what was your kind of pathway to play for Ireland like from, you know, playing at primary school and, and, and playing with your family in the garden or whatever to then making your debut for Ireland? Um, played a bit of Irish underage and stuff like that and then just got an opportunity to with the senior squad and yeah, now I'm here. <laughs> well, so how old were you when you first played for the senior squad? Um, I was 18. Okay. So it was just last year. Okay. Last October. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's amazing because you've made a real impact, haven't you? And, um, you know, so I suppose I think back to only a few weeks ago and that uh, semi-final of the T20 qualifiers and you were player of the match. You were the person that, that made the difference and got Ireland over the line in what was a really tight game. How did that feel? God, that was that was such a good game. Um, didn't expect the player of the match at all. Um, a big team performance. God, I was just so happy that we qualified for the World Cup. So yeah, yeah, I remember that game so clearly because I was watching on like a live stream. It was like one slightly blurry camera. I was trying to follow this game, but no, it was so exciting and it's really exciting that Ireland are going to the World Cup. And you think about, I suppose, the development of women's sport in Ireland with. Um, the football team qualifying for the World Cup in the summer and then you've now got you had the men's cricket team as well um, at the World Cup recently and now you've got the women's team going and at the under 19 
do you know what what do you think these things are going to do for young girls in Ireland to get them involved in a sport like cricket which they probably haven't seen very much of before just to have a even have like women role models in the country like the the girls qualifying the football for the world cup was incredible like social media went mental over it like I'd say before that half people didn't even watch women's football so like us qualifying for the world cup as well really helps younger girls in cricket showing that there is a pathway into cricket and like been able to travel the world as well well that's true you must have uh, traveled to some amazing places during your career uh, by now yeah um i think pakistan's probably the best one so far it's pretty cool yeah what's it what's it like in pakistan because it I'm always confused about the weather in places. So uh, Pakistan in October, is it going to be really hot or is it going to be really cold? Or is it is it a, is it ideal conditions for cricket? What's it like out there? Um, I think it's actually, re it's a really nice uh, weather for it. Compared to Abu Dhabi, it's so much cooler. Um, I, think they're, I think they're just running into their winter now. So I was actually, the umpire was telling me the other day that um, June, July is very, very hot. So like right now, it's like the perfect temperature to play cricket in. So, yeah. Yeah, because I was in Dubai two weeks ago to play cricket and it was 40 degrees and sweaty and it was so hot. Um, but yeah, I can imagine Pakistan would be a bit cooler at this time of year. Um, so thinking ahead to kind of the World Cup in February, what are your thoughts around, obviously, you're going to a new country to play cricket, you've got to get used to those conditions. And it's it's a big deal for Ireland to, to be at a World Cup. Being, being here in Pakistan now and previously being in Zimbabwe last year, I feel like helps a lot. And then obviously being in Abu Dhabi. So I think just hopefully a few days beforehand, pee prep of what, like what we've been doing. And um, yeah. Now it's, uh, you've started the tour in, in Pakistan and, and with, a, with a heavy defeat, although um, you didn't take a wicket, but you bowled very economically. In, uh, in that first game, considering the amount of runs that Pakistan uh, piled on. Uh, what did you learn from that game, you know, playing in those conditions, um, you know, against that team that you're going to sort of take into subsequent great games to hopefully get a slightly better outcome? Um, learned a lot. Uh, the wickets are completely different over here to back home. Um, they'd stay very low and I feel like Using a lot of very taking pace off the ball helps a lot when bowling. Um, I think hopefully get an early wicket might help us <laughs> tomorrow. Um, the girls they batted very well in fairness to them. Um, but yeah, I think just sticking to our plans and hopefully tomorrow we get a win. And of course, last summer you had a tri series with Australia and Pakistan. Um, what was it like to come come up against Australia? You know, the best in the world, and kind of see where where your team compares to them. It was insane playing against Australia. Like you'd watch them on the TV and next when you're bowling to like Healy. But um, yeah, it was just, you learn a lot playing the best. Be the best. If you want to be the best, you have to play the best. So um, yeah, it was a great opportunity to play against them. Yeah, and did there, were there many conversations between the teams? Obviously, they are so experienced and they know how to win World Cups, unfortunately. Um, so did they talk to you about kind of big tournaments and, and how to approach things like that or just even things like game situations and managing that? Yeah, we actually got the chance to chat to them after the, after our last game. Um, and I was actually talking to Megan Shoes and she was just chatting about her variations and stuff like that. And then... 
Meg Lanning was chatting about her routines before matches and stuff like that. So, it was, yeah, it was great insight getting from them. That's so lovely, isn't it? It's it's just, and I think that's what strikes me a, a lot. Um, I think particularly with women's sport it, at the moment, it's so on the up and it's so high profile, but there seems to be a lot of support for each other, um, you know, across teams and across nations and and that kind of thing, which I think is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was great being able to chat to them. Yeah, I think back to, I think it was the the last T20 World Cup where um, Sophie Devine was chatting to the Thailand team yeah. um, and just, you know, giving them tips and, and helping them. And I suppose it's about that global development of cricket because a, a country like New Zealand, their, their men's team are massive. So there's going to be more funding. There's going to be better facilities. But a country like Ireland where cricket hasn't necessarily existed for as long or isn't as much of a main sport... Of course, it's it's gonna take longer for it to develop. So no, I think those conversations are really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, what have the impact been of the contracts that were given to the the Irish women's team? You know, since they came in. Oh, huge! To be able to not having to rely on having a part time job and then trying to do college, and then you're going on tour trying to sort out going on tour while still being in college and everything. So it's, it's helped hugely. That's amazing, isn't it? You know, and, and I guess, you know, the, the thought now, because, you know, in, in Australia, if you went back, what, 15 years, there were, there were no professionals. If you go back 10 years in England, there were no professionals. And now you see all over the world, it's kind of springing up and it seems to be a real movement, you know, in, within cricket, but also I think within women's sports, which, which I think is absolutely uh, brilliant now we, we've got this um theory that we're we're just trying to pursue a little bit at the moment with various of our guests who've uh, got siblings who play cricket now I, I believe you have a sibling who plays cricket as well yeah I do uh is that your younger sister yeah I have a younger sister yeah yeah so a Amy and and is she hoping to get into the um the under 19 world cup squad hopefully yeah yeah she does well, our, our theory is, and, and I wonder, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, is that when you have siblings that play sport, it's always the younger sibling that becomes greater than the older sibling. Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Um, I'm, all I'm going to say is I'm happy that she's a leg spinner. Um, I mean, a left arm spinner. Um, and I'm a steamer. So if we're battling for places, we're completely different. So that's good. Um, but yeah, no. God, hopefully, hopefully, she, if she's on the team with me in the next few years and she makes her debut and wrote on the pitch, oh, I can't wait for that day. That'd be incredible. Yeah, because my thought is that the younger sibling has the advantage that they growing up, they get to practice with the older sibling. And so... I'm like, Dan, I everything want to do. <laughs> in fairness, yeah. I have um, an older sister who used to play cricket as well, so... She did a bit of cricket with me growing up, but um, she kind of flip, uh, fell away from the sport, didn't really enjoy it as much. So, yeah, it's a big family sport in my house. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, in a way with the sibling theory, as the older sibling, you can then take the credit for a lot of the younger siblings successfully. Like, well, I taught you everything <laughs> you know, and I was the one in the back garden working for hours and hours on your bowling or your batting or whatever. So you can kind of take some of the credit for that. Yeah, the one thing she hates is, oh, you're following in Jane's footsteps. She's like, no, I'm my own person. <laughs> <I hate it. laughs> 
So what are your kind of future goals and ambitions? Um, to play in a World Cup. That would be incredible. Um, and if anything else cross, like franchise cross, that'd be great. But loving playing cricket with them. Um, I also would like to go to Australia and play season Australia, as Beth has just reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, enjoying cricket so far, traveling the world with my friends. It's incredible. That would be, yeah, I mean, the, the opportunities in Australia would be amazing, wouldn't wouldn't they? Yeah, and I know we have lots of listeners in Australia as well. So we'll put we'll put in a word out for you now, Jane. Uh, so <laughs> uh, so this time next year, yeah, but um, WBBL contract maybe or uh, one of the state teams certainly. Uh, if you need a, a handy seam bowler, this is your this is your opportunity available. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, as you mentioned with franchise tournaments, obviously they're popping up all over the world and there's talks about the IPL sign this year, the PSL, then you've got the Caribbean League, got the hundred like the list is actually endless. Um and of course, you know, your your teammate Gabby Lewis has, has come and played in the hundred. Um and so I think it's a great opportunity for kind of Irish cricketers to be to be on a, a bigger platform. Um and obviously all these leagues are are on TV and you know in the hundred over here we get we get massive crowds. So do you think, you know, playing in front of those big crowds and having that would be kind of the next step for you? Yeah, God, that'd be incredible. I absolutely love watching the hundreds. If I played in the hundreds, geez, that'd be insane. I mean, like me and my friends, like during the summer, we just go and sit down for the day and literally just watch the hundred all day. Like being on a team with them, be class. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is amazing, isn't it? And we went to several of the games uh, last year. In fact, we went... We went to one game, uh, Manchester Originals against Oval Invincibles to to see the women play. But we hung on afterwards to see the other minor event, the men play. Uh, and of yeah. course, there was an Irishman playing in that game. Uh, Josh Little got a fifer. And I'd never yeah. heard of this guy before at all, but he was absolutely amazing. And now he's, he's turned into a world superstar in the last uh, six months. So the same could happen to you, couldn't it? God, that'd be great. That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah, fancy getting a hat trick in the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, it, it could be. It could be you. So obviously, you've played at some amazing grounds. What What's been your favourite so far? Um, I think the ground in Abu Dhabi was really nice. Um, I think where I made my debut in Harare, I really liked that ground. There was actually really nice purple trees behind. It looked, it looked, it was very dressed. It was very nice. Yeah, that probably my favorite ground. But yeah, that's what Amy Hunter said as well. Yeah, everyone loves <laughs> Harare. <I think. laughs> Jane, thank you so much for your time. That's been absolutely brilliant, and just want to wish you all the best uh, for the tour and uh, tomorrow's game in particular. And uh, yeah, get a win on the board. That'd be great. Cheers! Thank you so much for having me. absolutely brilliant to speak to Jane when she was out in Lahore and mm -hmm. we just want to say well done again to the Irish team yeah. I'm just so pleased so good. it's so good for cricket it's so good for Ireland it's so good for them as uh, individuals with all those different performances that went into building such mm -hmm. a, a successful tour and um, going to Pakistan and I just think 
they seem to really love it. Yeah. The Pakistan fans seem to really love yeah. having them. It was just a lovely tour. Yeah. And I tell you what, no one does like homecomings like they do at Dublin Airport. I, I So the like island social media always posts like videos of when the island team come back to Dublin Airport. Like to be fair, regardless of the sport or regardless of anything, like, I remember watching things during COVID, like watching or just even non-COVID emotional reunions of like families from like Canada and Australia, like coming back, seeing their relatives, like, everyone's crying and everything, and the news reporters are there, like getting the stories. It happens all the time, but seeing the island team like come through the doors of Dublin Airport, and it's probably like most like, most of their parents, but they've got like a big banner saying like Island Cricket, well done. So like it's so good. I love they, it. They go on the bus to Nina from there. Oh my gosh, that bus is very chaotic to work out which bus to get on. Um, and then a three-hour bus journey. Whilst the, I remember the bus driver like played a lot of ABBA and then went to like traditional Irish folk music, back to ABBA. I was like, this this is my sort of thing. Um, but no, I don't think they went on a bus to Nina. I really hope okay. none of them had to suffer like that. Yes, that was, that was Polly's journey last time she flew into Dublin Airport. Yeah. Um, but anyway, next week we've got another Irish guest oh how exciting yeah I mean I'll put in the description who it is who may as well announce but she will be playing at both the under 19 and the t20 senior women's world cup busy 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 uh and she's doing four a levels so even busy busy busier uh so next week we've got centurion amy hunter world record world record holder on her 16th birthday absolutely remarkable so come back next week and uh we'll have an episode with amy hunter 